My name is James Metzger. I'm the lead pastor at Renaissance Bible Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. At Ren, we really believe that God's Word is living and active, that God still uses it to form and shape and change lives uh, for all of eternity. And so our prayer uh, for you is that God might use uh, these words to point you and others to Jesus. May God bless you in your journey. Uh, back in the 1950s and 60s, there was a television personality by the name of Art Linkletter. He had a show that went on for over two decades, and at the end of his show, he had a segment called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Uh, over the two decades that he was on that show, he interviewed literally thousands of children. And you can imagine when you stick a microphone into the face of a child and ask them a question, you never know what you are going to hear. Uh, There was one little boy who was being interviewed by Art Linkletter, and he asked him uh, this question. He said, what does your dad do for a living? And the young man said, my dad is uh, is a lawyer. And he said, oh, really? He's a lawyer? No, but, but what does he do around the house? Like, what does he do for your mom? And the little boy said, he makes her cocktails. And Art said, okay. Fantastic. Interviews the next child, and he says, hey, um, what do you want to be, or, or what would you do if you were president of the United States? And this little girl said, I would keep my mouth shut. Right? People have been saying that apparently for hundreds of years. Asked another little boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be a bus driver or I want to be a pilot. And he said, well, let's say you're a pilot and you're up in the air and all four engines die on you. He goes, what do you say? And the little boy said, our father who art in heaven, how would be That's a smart little kid, right? Kids say the darndest things, but I truly believe that uh, parents do as well. You know, parents can say the darndest things to their kids. If you're a parent here this morning, or if you remember what it was like growing up in your house, you probably can remember a time or two when something was said to you that stuck with you. Or you can remember a time or two when you said something to your children and found yourself thinking, what in the world was I thinking? Uh, There have been times in my own life when I have looked at my children when they were two, three, and four years old and they did something that I did not approve of and I asked them that question, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? There was never a time when they said to me when they were three years old, well, it's funny you should ask, Dad. Like, let me walk you through my, my train of thought. They've never said that to me. And yet I find myself asking that question again and again and again. As a parent, as a dad, I uh, have found myself having conversations with my children, with my voice elevated, um, asking them and telling them, you need to learn to control your emotions. I thought to myself, well, this is awfully ironic. Like, who is the one that needs to learn to control emotions? his emotions. But one of my favorites is when you look at a child and say to them, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. Did your mom or dad ever say that to you? Did you ever say that to your kids? Because we all know that life gets easier when you grow up, right? If, if you just would be a little older, then all of this would change. Like life would be a breeze, right? How silly is it uh, that we say things like, would you 
grow up. It's so silly that this morning I want to encourage you to do just the opposite. Uh, I want to encourage you as a people uh, to not grow up and to come to Jesus like a kid. Don't grow up. Come to Jesus like a kid. This is the lesson that Jesus teaches his disciples in Mark chapter 10. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me there. Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 13. If you don't have uh, a Bible with you, the passage will be on uh, the screen and you can follow along. Uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, reads, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, uh, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, uh, laying his hands on them. The first reason that we can see from the text, or the first reason that we should not grow up, that we should come to Jesus like a kid, is because we and our children need to be rescued. We need to be rescued. We are born into sin. We call it original sin or total depravity. There's nothing that we can do to please God in and of ourselves. And so when we are born, uh, we are, are born into sin. As much as it, it, it seems like where we want to look at our child and go, my little baby, my little boy, or my little girl, oh, they're perfect. They're not. Right? They're, they're not perfect. And as kids get older, they give us ample evidence that this is true. If you don't think it's true, go to the grocery store. Go to aisle five at Harris Teeter where all the cookies are and let your little boy or little girl pick out their favorite cookie, point to it and say, I want that. And then try this, say no, right? See what happens, right? It doesn't take long before children show their depravity. If you don't think so, give your child a toy, just one toy, and then invite another child into the room. Right? And see what happens. If, if you don't think uh, children wrestle with depravity or with uh, sin, then tell them not to touch something. Anything. It could be hot or cold. Uh, it could be shiny or it could be dull. It does not matter. Simply instruct them, don't do this. And watch what happens. We are born into sin, and so are our children, and so they need to be rescued. But here's the thing. We do, too. Right? We do, too. It's, it's, not, it's not just our kids. Right? Find something that, that you want, that you desire, that you want to chase after, and then have someone tell you, No. See how you respond. Find something that you love. Find something that is near and dear to your heart. And then listen as someone encourages you or challenges you to give it away. And see how you respond. Have someone come alongside of you and say to you, don't, don't touch that, don't chase that, don't go down 
that road. And then notice what happens within uh, your own heart. You see, children give us ample evidence that they are sinners, that they are broken, that they need a rescuer. But so do we. And so people were bringing children to Jesus because they, they wanted Jesus to, to bless them. They wanted Jesus to touch them. They wanted Jesus uh, to meet uh, their needs. And so we should bring our children uh, to Jesus because uh, they need to be rescued. But we should also come to Jesus because we, as parents and as people, are not their rescuer. Right? Our children need to be rescued, and we are not their rescuer. Uh, we may be their mom, we may be uh, their dad, uh, but we are not uh, their savior. We're not their savior. Right? That is reserved for one person, and we're not it. It's funny though, if you're like me, you, you try to organize and arrange your life in such a way where you can essentially function um, as their savior. Right? You, you want to you create an environment for them that is just right. right? You, you want them to have a particular kind of childhood that maybe you had or maybe you didn't have. You want to make sure they have experiences that will form and shape them. And so you do everything you can as a parent to chase after those um, there are things that you experience as a little boy or a little girl, uh, maybe hard things or difficult things or evil things, where you think to yourself, I want to do everything I can to avoid uh, that in the life of my child. I want to create an environment where they, they have everything that I didn't have, but they don't have too much. Right? I, I want to give them things that I never had, but I don't want to give them too much. I want to expose them to the world and to poverty, and I want them to see things that I never saw, and I want to protect them. I don't want them to be in dangerous situations. I want to come alongside of them and kind of uh, swoop in and protect them. And listen, uh, many of those desires, many of those longings are completely natural. They're completely natural. What, what mom or dad doesn't want to love their child? What mom or dad doesn't want them to have experiences that they never had? What mom or dad doesn't want to protect their children from harm? We, we should long for that as parents. We should desire that as parents. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you should not love uh, your children. I'm just suggesting that we should not worship our children. Right? We are not our children's savior. Right? We're not our children's savior. And so uh, we should bring our children uh, to Jesus uh, because he is. As parents, we should feel the impossibility of the calling that God has given to us. And feeling the weight of that as a mom or feeling the weight of that as a dad should drive us, should drive us to Christ. Because it's difficult. And parenting is hard. Right? It, is, it is not easy. Uh, and when the life of a child is changed, when the heart of a child is changed, it is a miracle. And it's a miracle that we can't perform, right? So we go to the one 
who can and say, God, I pray for my son. I pray for my daughter. I pray that you would meet them in their need. I pray that you would help them to experience life as it is and use those experiences to drive them to you, however beautiful or however difficult. God, I pray that you would capture the heart of my boy. I pray that you would capture the heart of my girl. People were bringing their children to Jesus. I think they were bringing their children to Jesus in part because they realized that their children needed a rescuer, their children needed a savior, and they were not it. We should also bring our children to Jesus, according to verse 14, because Jesus has a heart for kids. Jesus has a heart for kids. Kids didn't get in the way of Jesus' ministry. They they didn't bother him. They didn't prevent him from doing the real work. It says in verse 14, but when Jesus saw it, when he saw his disciples and how they were acting, it says that he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. When Jesus saw how the disciples acted, how the disciples wanted to turn people away who were bringing the children to Jesus, Jesus was literally aroused to anger. Jesus was aroused to anger. Jesus was ticked because Jesus had compassion on the helpless. He had compassion on the vulnerable. He had compassion on the powerless. He had compassion on the kids. And so when he saw his disciples, his followers, trying to shoo them away, he said, oh no. (laughs) No, you you bring them uh, to me. He was angry when he saw what they were doing. Recently, my uh, my kids uh, pointed out that I have a tell uh, when I get angry. Right? Apparently, there is, a, there is a dead giveaway. I don't, I don't turn green and grow big muscles and tear my shirt, but apparently there's something I do where, where they look at me and they're like, uh-oh. Right? One of my boys told me, Dad, when you, when you get mad, you clench your jaw. You clench your jaw. And so we were on vacation and, and something happened and apparently I was starting to get angry because one of my boys looked at me and said, uh-oh. It's happening, <laughs> which, of course, helped the situation, right? Well, I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, man, that's not a good thing. Do you want to know how uh, to make God mad? Man, turn away the kids, right? See, see kids is an inconvenience. See kids is kind of getting in the way. Just kind of take the kids and move them off to the side so real ministry and real life can take place. When Jesus saw how his disciples were acting and how they were treating parents who were bringing their children to him, he became indignant and he said, do not hinder them. Don't hinder them. Don't prevent them from coming. Don't make it difficult for them to come to me. I started thinking to myself, what are, what are ways that we can hinder children? What are ways, that even, even as a church, that we can hinder children, that we can prevent children from coming to Jesus? One of the ways is when we put kids, spiritually speaking, at the kids' table. 
You remember the kids' table, family gets together for the holiday. We got the adult table, and then the kids are somewhere off to the side. Right? We don't, we don't want to hear them. Like, we don't want to kind of deal with the mess. We just kind of push them off to the side, hope there's enough of them where they can kind of figure things out, and they stay away for a while. And then after we've had like, our fun time, we like, invite them back in. I think spiritually speaking, we can kind of do that sometimes as a church. We can have this mindset or perspective that says, let's just kind of keep the kids away. Right? Let, let's put them at the, the spiritual kids' table, and we'll, we'll come back to them. Like after they graduate from college, get married, and have their own kids. Right? We'll welcome them back in when they're well-adjusted. But for now, let's just keep them at a distance. We, we hinder kids when we view kids as just needing to kind of stay out of the way. Another way I think that we hinder kids is when we view ministry to children as like JV spirituality, where we have a mindset that says what takes place in these four walls, specifically these four walls on Sunday morning. Man, this is where the action takes place. This is where the adults are. This is where we sing the songs that we like and hear messages related to us, right? This is, this is our deal, right? And we kind of view kids as, as just other, right? It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like JV spirituality. We just kind of just move, move them on out, right? And so we say things. We say, and I've been guilty of this too. We say things like, you know what? I just, man, I feel like I haven't really been a part of things lately because, because I've been in the village, Right? That, that, that somehow speaking and communicating and preaching and teaching the gospel to a 10-year-old is somehow less than teaching it to a 40-year-old. Why is that? Right? Kids are created in the image of God. They are real live people. Right? They're people. Right? You don't leave the presence of a 25-year-old and go, gosh, man, I just, I'm so glad that I'm done with that. I'm glad that I'm back in here. I was tired of talking about feelings all the time and avocado toast. I mean, I just, I needed to get better. It's good to be with my people now. Right? You don't leave the presence of a 30-year-old or a 35-year-old who's, who's newly married or has a young family and just go, oh, I'm so, man, it's weird, but I really haven't really done ministry lately because I've just been trying to sort things out with these, with these newlyweds. You don't, you don't do that. You don't spend time with a 40-year-old and go, he's just buying a sports car, midlife crisis. Man, I'm so glad I'm not hanging with them anymore. It's, it's good to be back. But we, but we do that with kids. Do that with kids. So, so, so why? Why do we somehow see what takes place down the hall as less than? It's not less than. Kids can have bold faith. They have faith. They have equal access to the Father. And God listens to the prayer of a seven-year-old just as much as he listens to the prayer of a 70-year-old because of Jesus. Equal access. Right? A second grader can tell another second grader about Jesus just as much as a 42-year-old can tell a colleague about him. I think, I think we hinder kids, we can hinder kids when we view ministry uh, to children as, as minor league or babysitting or JV uh, spirituality when it's not. We can also hinder kids when uh, we avoid preaching the gospel to kids. 
Like, and what I mean by that is when we only teach kids like moralistic lessons, like be nice and share and be kind. Right? That's not the gospel. Right? Kids and adults, we wrestle with our own brokenness. We wrestle with sin. Right? There's times when God exposes that in our hearts. We go to ourselves, man, I, I can't believe I am who I am. I can't believe this sin is still in me. I can't believe that God is exposing my own heart. Right? And so we teach the kids the gospel. We, we don't tell them simply be nice or be kind or share your toys. We teach them that humanity is broken, that we are helpless and hopeless without a Savior. But man, praise be to God. God sent Jesus fully God and fully man, to walk among us, to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. He was buried and rose to newness of life, and he gives life to us. That is the message that changes the heart of a child. Not just be good. The the law in Scripture reveals our hearts. You just give kids a bunch of list of rules and regulations, and they're going to miss the mark. That they need a Savior. So, so do not hinder them from coming. Uh, come to Jesus uh, because Jesus has a heart for kids. And come to Jesus because the kingdom uh, belongs to uh, the kids. The kingdom uh, belongs to the kids. Verse 14 says, For to such belongs uh, the kingdom of God. Right? How many times have you heard sa- said or ha- we have said that kids are the church of tomorrow? Kids are the church of tomorrow, right? I've said that before. I've used that before. It's kind of catchy. It's like, hey, when they grow up, man, they're going to be here. They're going to be leading worship. They're going to be preaching. They're going to be elders. They're going to be servants. They're going to fill these seats. Kids are the church tomorrow. I I get that, but you know what? Like, kids are the church of today. Like, today. Like, we don't have to put them in the penalty box for 25 years and then invite them back out and go, okay. Now, kids are the church of today. They're not just little people that we parade out here on Christmas and Easter and hope that they do something silly so we can catch it on video. Right? They're human beings created in the image of God. They have longings and loves and desires. And they can have faith. It says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. When you think about the kingdom in Scripture, uh, it's, a, it's a dominant theme. It's something that if you've grown up in the church, maybe you've heard a lot. If you're new to the church or visiting, maybe when you hear kingdom, you think of like Kate Middleton and the Queen and like 80% of the shows on PBS. But in, in Scripture, what the kingdom is, when we read about the kingdom of God, one author said uh, the kingdom is, is God's power over God's people in uh, God's or in the king's place, the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. It's this idea that uh, we come under our ruler, our king, King Jesus, who rules over us as His people in a particular place. It's just it's just brass tacks. It's talking about life with God, right? Life with God, and so to these kids belongs life with God, right? Under His rule and under. Uh, his reign. And this is significant, apparently. This, this idea of, of bringing little ones to Jesus apparently is pretty important. It's not just a plug for children's ministry. Right? It's not just because look at verse 15. 
Listen to this. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I mean, that's one of those verses I read and I go, whoa. (laughs) Like, wait a second. Like, I read that and I want to know, okay, if, if I can only enter the kingdom as a child... Right, then, then what does that look like? How do I do that? Because uh, apparently we should come to Jesus like a kid because if you do not receive the king as a kid, you will not have a place in the kingdom. Right? If you, if, if me, if, if we do not receive uh, the king like a kid, we will not have a place in the kingdom. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? I think there are at least two ways of of seeing verse 15. We can look at verse 15 and say, well, well, Jesus is teaching something about uh, the the quality of the faith of a child. Like we can read that passage and go, there's something about the faith of a kid that seems untarnished. There's something about the faith of a child that seems just so pure and so beautiful. Like I remember back growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, and I remember even as, as a little kid when God rescued me, when he saved me, like there were things that I prayed about that I look back upon now and I go, man, I can't believe that I, that I prayed for that. I can't believe that I thought that or I believe that because I had this real sweet, innocent faith. And so uh, when I had a family member who, who struggled and wrestled with depression, like I prayed that God would heal her. Right, and as a little kid, here's the crazy thing, like I thought he would do it. Like when my grandpa got diagnosed with cancer and I heard the, the, the rumblings around the house about like this, this isn't good, I told my dad, well why, like can't God heal him? Because I read stories as a little kid, like I saw the flannel graph and I'm like, like God can do anything. And so I'm like, let's, let's pray that he'll heal him. Right? And I, when I knew that there was financial stress or difficulties, I'm like, we'll just, we'll just pray that God will provide. Because right? God does that. He does that all of the time. And so I had, I had like the faith of a child, this faith that was just like, we can ask God for that. God can do that. And then you know how this works, right? You know how it goes. Is you, you live a little life and you get jaded. Right? And you get jaded because God doesn't answer your prayers the way that he wanted you to answer your prayers. Right? And you're going, that thing that I was asking, that was good, that was pure, that was right. And it doesn't seem like things played out the way that you wanted them to. And so what do you, so what do, you do? Well, you kind of readjust your expectations. And you live life and things come your way and you just go, I kind of know how this is going to play out. Right? You throw up an obligatory prayer for God to do something miraculous, for God to heal, for God to provide, for God to whatever. But in the back of your mind, you're going, ah, I know how the world works. But I, I kind of know how the story plays out. And so there's part of me when I read this and I think, man, you need to come to Jesus like a child or like a kid. There's part of me that goes, man, is, is that what Jesus is calling them to? Is, is he calling them to that, to that youthful, seemingly innocent faith that we had when we were five, six, or seven years old that just believed? I think that there are places in Scripture where we could look where, where that, that sort of faith or that kind of faith is commended. I think there's something about that that is pleasing to God. But I, I, don't, think, I don't think that that's what Jesus is talking about here. 
it, it could be that Jesus isn't so much commending the virtue of the faith of a child uh, as much as he is pointing out uh, the helplessness or the need of a child. The reason I say that is because the word that is used here uh, for child means, means young child. Many people use it to interpret as, as if that, uh, that little boy or that little girl was an infant. Right, so, so think for a moment about, think for a moment about, about a baby. And you, you know what it's like to, to hold a, a little baby, a little, a little boy or a little girl? What, what is it about the, the, the faith of, of a child that would be virtuous for Jesus to say this? I, I don't think oftentimes we look at a three-month-old and go, man, she is, she's a woman of God. She just, man, she is just on fire. Right, that little boy, he's six months old, he's going to write books someday. I mean, you should hear him talk about the Lord. Like, we, we don't typically do that. We, we look at children and we go, man, they're really cute and they're really uh, needy. But there's something about children where they, where they are powerless, they lack sophistication, they are weak, uh, they are dependent. Right? They are everything oftentimes that we don't long for or admire in people. They are everything that oftentimes we don't celebrate. We celebrate strength. Right? But Jesus welcomes the weak. Uh, we hold up the self-sufficient. But Jesus calls the needy. Uh, we aspire to independence, but Jesus requires dependence. I think what Jesus is teaching his disciples here, I think what Jesus is teaching you and me uh, through this passage is that we should come to him um, as a child. In other words, we should come to him in our need. We should come to him in our helplessness, in our hopelessness. We should come to him in our dependence. Uh, children, babies, kids, they receive what is given. They don't produce it. They don't manufacture it. Right? And this is oftentimes how God moves and acts in our hearts and in our lives. Right? He, he doesn't call us to, to somehow dig deep and drum up something within us so we'll attain to this level of faith. He says, no, you, you come to me in your need, in your desperation, and I will meet you. Right? God does that. He does it all the time. And my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that he would do it in us. Uh, that we would come uh, to God with our children and go, God, you, you got to do something. You got to help me. You got to perform a miracle. You, you, you got to be appealing to them. Right? You have to give them a heart to believe. And we need to do the same thing as parents and as people, regardless of where we find ourselves in life. We need to come to the Lord and go, God, I, man, I do not have this thing figured out. I come to you in my helplessness, in my hopelessness. I'm needy and I'm dependent. And here's the crazy thing. Um, that, that, I believe, is pleasing to God. I, I believe the God that knows us and loves us, the God that made us, he meets us 
uh, in our need. He is gracious to us. He welcomes us just like he welcomed those little babies. He welcomes us and he blesses us. Uh, May he bless you this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for uh, your grace and for your goodness to us. Thank you uh, for uh, calling us your kids. Thanks for calling us uh, your sons and uh, your daughters. Uh, God, I, I pray for the folks who are here this morning that you would stir in their hearts a desire and a longing and a passion uh, for you. I pray that you would grow faith in uh, their hearts, give them the boldness and a courage. God, I pray for our kids this morning, our sons and our daughters. I pray that you would grant to them a vibrant faith and a bold uh, faith and a faith that is pleasing to you, a faith that is uh, desperate, that is dependent, uh, that desperately needs you to show up. Uh, God, when you do that, we will make sure that we are careful uh, to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.